You're listening to The Crunch with Cam Slater. Right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Matt McCartan and I have both been political opponents and good friends for a very long time. We both understand you need back channels to bypass the public side of politics, and it is in those back channels where brutal honesty is required from both sides in order to get consensus. He's on the line to discuss the results of the election with me now. Welcome to The Crunch, Matt McCartan. Good afternoon to you, Robert. It's a bit of a uh, a bit of a bath for the left uh, on Saturday night. A bit of a bath. Yeah, a bit of a bath. Um, probably a bucket of cold water as well. Um, yeah, I think I think the word I was searching for on election night was bloodbath. You know, um, yeah. a Saturday massacre. You know, the red the red wedding. You know, um, or, or funeral. So no, no, it was a. Um, in one sense, it was. Um, you know, that you know what happens in elections, everyone gets hopeful, you know, and they don't look at the numbers anymore. So I went into a bit of a sweet a sweet steak and I'm disappointed to say that I was eerily accurate because people like you and I, we don't get emotional when we're looking at polls, because I'm someone who believes polls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Always believe the polls. Yeah, that's that's what I always think, you know. And then because, you know, it's not emotional. Okay, you know. And what do people do? They compare polls with other polls. But as you know, you compare polls with the previous poll from the same pollster. That's the key. Yeah, you know, yeah. the trend. So that was pretty good. Um, so it was a, as you know, you know, I mean, this is a Labour Party, which was, you know, didn't have an election for a year, 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 year ago. We had a coronation. You know? Yes. Yeah. And it was a big thank you to Jacinda for saving the country. And of course, it didn't help that the National Party was still as ridden. So, you know, but this election wasn't so much, that, in my view, is that National didn't win it, Labor lost it. No, that's always the way, though. Incumbents oh, always no, no, lose. I, yeah, no, as you know. But I think incredibly, this is, a, you know, how do you go from, how do you lose half of your caucus? You know, and, um, you know, you've got to be, well, almost half of the caucus, you know, I'll say half, go from 50% record to kind of, what, 28% as we speak. So that's an extraordinary loss, and I'm not sure that they even understand why they lost. You know, and um, and of course it didn't all go to national. I mean, national got its provincial vote back, as you know. You know, so yeah. they got provincial. Well, it wasn't a Labor vote anyway, right? Just not loads, and so that was always going and it's going to go back. But what happened is, is national didn't pick up. You know, um, the votes that went from Labor. You know, like Labor's votes. No, they went everywhere. I know. Um, you know, talking to David right. Farah, he was saying they were going everywhere. It was literally uh, anyone but Labour election. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what ha- happened there, right? So national, um, you know, they were the recipients of Labour's uh, demise, um, but they don't come with a strong uh, mandate. But you know, the. The uh, I was listening. I was watching uh, Chris Hopkins when he's doing his confessory speech, and I thought, has someone has someone has told him that he lost the election? You know, when mm. he, you know, and it's kind of with what you know, and everyone who's listening say, so, you know, you get up and say, I want to thank, you know, I want to congratulate Christopher Luxton, the new yep. the new prime minister. I want to, and I want to say to you, I want to thank, you know, um, you know, knowledge Winston Peters, huge victory tonight. You know, who would have thought, you know, kind of words, the Greens won three seats. That's a huge thing for them. You know, the mild Māori Party, that's a, that's a, that's a momental change. And these are permanent changes. And I want to, yeah. and I want to acknowledge, and then I want to acknowledge the people of New Zealand and my party. And then, you know, as Mike Moore says, you know, the people are always right. And it just needed yeah. to be that kind of reflection, you know, just saying, we've got a message, we've got the message. We will have to now, you know, understand what that message was and we're going to have, you know, blah, blah, you know, but there was all that, we've done this and we've done that and we said, what? You know, so that... Yeah, goes, I mean, you know, he was sitting there talking about uh, how they've built 13,000 houses and I was sitting there thinking to myself, hang on a minute, you promised us 100,000. It's a little bit short. Mean, but yes, exactly right. And and of course, when you raise that thirteen thousand homes, and you think, so after six years, since eight years ago when you made that pop pop policy, 
Yep. You would drop that. If that was in the business world, you would have sacked your CEO, right? Well, we, yeah. well, we did, didn't we? Well, indeed. Sorry, you got him. Yes, you did. Yeah. I mean, we did sack him, but I thought too that Christopher Luxon was rather presumptuous in his victory speech. <laughs> yes, he was. Because you and I know in politics, you've got to learn to count. Yeah. And what they were doing is they were at primary school count counting, not where they need to be. And you know, special votes are 20%. They've always leaned towards the left as a thing, and then Māori particularly because of the strong out nature with rental accommodation. People move around a lot. They move from electric to electric, et cetera, et cetera, right? Always a big. Last election, those votes went, went to Māori and brought that extra seat, seat through. The uh, Greens always do well because um, they're young people sort of moving around, the students. And National doesn't do so well. And that's partly because its voter base is stable, you know, so there's not so many special votes. So um, I just did a thing, you know, sort of had a joke to people on sort of all, sort of on the night when they came in and a group were watching the TV and they said, oh, my God, it's a national government. And there's Winston smiling away there and I thought, Hold my beer, says Winston. Yeah. Well, I was sitting with Winston uh, after he came back from delivering his speech to the faithful in Russell, and I was sitting there watching him, and there was a few glum people around, uh, and he was, he had this big beaming smile on his face, and he was sitting there and said, uh, yeah, uh, Luxon and uh, Seymour are going to have to get the calculators out shortly. And I said, oh, what do you mean? He said, well, you you just watch. He's just made his speech. Uh, he said he's got victory. His numbers are looking like about 40, 40 just a bit shy of 41%. Mm-hmm. Said by the end of tonight, they'll be in the 38s. You watch. And sure enough, it, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's the benefit of experience mm-hmm. and longevity to know how it goes. And well, so, the question he did, he did on his, um, his little ad yeah. when he got on the horse. Yeah. He said, not my first rodeo, right? That's it's right. First rodeo, but not Winston. You know? No, that's right. And, you know, I, I actually teased him a bit that night. I said to him, you know, Winston's a bit disappointed with that ad, and he put on his little grumpy voice, and he said, well, I thought it was good. And I said, yeah, but, mate, I was expecting you to, you know, be like Zorro at the end and sort of draw a sword and rear the horse up on its back legs and um, and and – and he said, oh, you're never satisfied, are you, Cam? I said, no, mate, I'm not. But that would have been fantastic if you'd done that. And he would have killed himself. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, exactly. I think just getting on the horse said it all. You know? And I thought that's got to be the best political ad of this campaign, but may, 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 maybe a, a, a up there amongst the top. And I thought, see, that's that, that's that message of experience. Yeah, and and you know the funny thing was on all of the uh, TV news uh, thing when they were talking about Winston Peters, in the background behind the presenters was always the horse ad playing. You know, every time it was an, an inspired choice, and he oh, and he, he says it was his choice too. He chose to do that. Well, the lead always has the credit, the credit, credit right? So, yeah. um, uh, so we'll accept that. But look, it's a great ad. And uh, it's it, it, uh, it outstanding. There's not many ads that, that I'm impressed by, but that was impressive. So kudos to him. Look, and look, he, look, as we know, right, this is the guy, right? What? You know, that he came back, you know, and the media, you know, you know, God love them, but some of them just don't know anything. They're just giving them a hard time. And I'm just watching him. And so he's done something that, well, when he came back last time, right, and you, and you know, for those of, yeah. of of the viewers, you know, the class act, you know, and I'm not a New Zealand first quarter, right, but I understand class when, well, 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 when, well, when, when I see it. He, when he got tossed out the parliament, out the three years, came back against all the odds. We rode, we rode off because we're used to the convention, you know, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Out, he's gone. Comes back in, first speech in the house, you know, before I was rudely interrupted, he says, and carries <laughs> on yeah. the after, right? And what can you say now? This is like the second time he's come back from nowhere. Who does that? Well, you know? a guy who knows politics, you know, intimately. 
And, you know, everyone's been talking. Can imagine how David Seymour feels right now, right? The entire campaign he has run has been slagging off Winston Peters, saying he doesn't trust him, saying that um, he won't work with him, saying that he won't do this and won't do that, and and actually issuing veiled threats yeah. uh, to the National Party that if, if he doesn't get his way, he's going to throw a patty and stomp his feet and, you know, do whatever. He must feel very, very small right now and thinking back on all those things that he said about Winston Peters because I'll tell you right now, when those special votes come in, National and ACT are going to have to call Winston Peters to form a government. Oh, no question. Just a question of how many, right? I mean, if we... Um, National is, is is so close to losing the seat now anyway. So Yeah, 0.2%. If, if the oh, vote changes not... by 0.2% negatively for them, they lose a seat. Right. And I knew they're right on the edge, so, you know, that, that's absolutely right. So, and they could lose two, right? But less, just even one. Yeah. Um, if, ironically, as you would know, right, is that uh, Kilwin's seat, Kilwin Davis' seat in the north, is that that's also very, very on special votes if you compare it to the last election, right? It's it's a whisker. Yeah. Uh, and ironically, if the Māori Party picks up that seat, it's better for the left, right? Because, yeah. because Kelvin gets back into Parliament who's on the list. And of course, it's an overhang for the Māori Party to yeah. keep the overhang. So, you know, it's a double whammy. So you've got to sort of think that if the National Party loses one seat, um, they're in trouble. Two seat, it's over. Ring, ring, Winston. Yeah. Always respected you, mate. Always respected you. You know, Dave, David, who? David Seymour? No, don't know who he is. You know. Um, um, yeah. So. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? You. I mean, there was a rumour going around that National was considering offering the Speaker's position to Winston Peters. And as soon as I heard that, I thought, well, they must have rocks in their heads. You know, they never I, understood Winston. Never yeah, I, I would imagine there was a few frantic phone calls uh, between the back room operators saying, pull your head in, guys. This isn't going to work. And, yeah, no. Yeah, well, He's got far too, far too much experience and other things, but... You know, if you look at the campaigns of all the campaigns, let's look at let's do let's start with the positive, right? For my objective view or, or an unobjective view, biased view, I think there was two campaigns that did really, really well. Okay. Uh, and one pretend campaign that they think they did well, but they don't realize that it wasn't them. So the two that I think that did really, really well were New Zealand first, obviously, for coming back. Absolutely. And yep. the Maori Party, or to Party Maori, uh, yep. be, for actually understanding their constituency and who their actual voters were, Absolutely. And, and going and ripping those seats off the Labour Party, who were adamant they were going to retain them. Now, no, I, I, think I think they might pick up two more. You know, I think they might pick up Te Taitokarau, but they might even pick up another one. And if they get two then that phone call is definitely going to Winston Peters. But those are the two campaigns that I think were brilliant for them. Look, um, okay, let me talk about the Maori Party campaign because I had some knowledge of it. It's transformative for them, right? Yeah. They had changed because when they formed the Maori Party, when it was formed, right, it was formed by a generation, which is different from who they are now. Yeah. You know, conservative, cautious, you know, and it wasn't about core issues of class, you know, of, of, of the poor, the working, the people from Struggle Street. It was the idea of Māori so sovereignty and Māori um, support. And by going with national, right, that's not their base. So no. therefore, it was always, and as you would know, right, from a strategic point of view, electorally, it was a very clever move by Keith. Because it adds votes, it's not it's not competing for each other's votes. So you get in an ad. With the when they and then of course they all got tossed out because that was going to have to have happen. Because the even this time round, the party vote in all the Maori seats went to Labour. Yeah, you know? and but the but Maori party was first done very close, and that's the first. And the only reason they didn't win the other two seats sort of in in the north because the Green Party ran electric candidates in those two seats. 
They didn't run at the other. So they split the boat and allowed. But you're quite right. On the specials, they could get both seats. They could get as close in Tamaki Makata in Auckland and uh, very, very close. The rate, 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 rate is in the north. So um, that's, and of course, the irony of that would be they won six seats and the only seat they didn't win was a seat that a Labour Party MP, Mecca, Waitiri, yep. had jumped ship and went to the Māori Party and then lost the seat to a young Māori woman. And I thought, well, does that send a message or what? Mm. Um, I, look, it's just outstanding. And I think that the Māori Party, you know, and as you know, that John Tamahiri being the president, very strategic, let's say about John, he, 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 he understands uh, messaging. And, uh, they, and he got them to, to, to really focus on the core issues, cost of living, housing, you know, the wealth tax, et cetera, which Labor ran away from, which is interesting. And, um, and we know what that happened. So I, I, I agree with it. And the Māori Party is home and it's base now, right? They will pick up all seven seats, in my view, the next election. If they don't win, you know, they'll win. They're like the best day, they're going to land up with six. But if they get the six, even five, they'll pick up the rest of the seats. And they're permanent. It's a yeah. permanent political force. And New Zealand first, well, what can you say? You know, there's Lazarus the from the dead. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I've taken the view that Winston's been dead for 10 years, but it doesn't matter, you know? They still vote, they vote for Winston no matter what. I'm, I'm joking. Um, but those the Greens, is, you know, I think you're alluding to, right? Yeah. It, it's, they've come of age in the sense of, this is my take on it, right? That Labor lost the urban liberal, yeah, you know, which is a it's, it's trauma for Labor, right? Because that's who runs their party. It's the liberal left. That's right. And and they've lost their core seats. So before you see it, it's just Chloe, you know, so oh that was an accident. A bit like when San Sandra Lee won Auckland Central Fully Line, you know, mm. oh it's an appellation. You know, it'll come back. See, and Chloe, you know, hold on, second time round, thank God. And Greens ran really well in Mount Albert. You know, it may well have tipped the Labour um, tank candidate out. They will, hell and white. But Rongatai, I thought they had no, I thought the Greens would win Wellington Central, but Rongatai, really? So that's permanent. I think, and you may not agree and your viewers may not, but I think this is good for the Green Party in, in the obvious thing. But I think it changes the nature of the Green Green Party. Those three MPs, are interested in keeping their seats. How so long be- is James Shaw going to stay as leader, though, now? Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, because, I mean, I think James has been good, oh, good, good for them, I do. Well, he's the he's the sane voice of the Green Party. Yeah, no, 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 no. Well, well I've I, I reinforced this. The fact is I've got three seats, general seats, because you're disciplined on not being crazy because you lose your seats. See, that's yeah. what I mean, is that the days of the hippies being able to kind of call, I don't mean disrespect, I'm being, I'm being dismissive, but, you know, the ill-discipline, I think, is going to go because you've got three MPs there going, no, 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 we're not doing that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think yeah. that that's going to change the power relationship within the Greens. So I think, you know, the, the minor parties, or the third-party parties, I should say, not the minor, all of them had a great night at the expense of Labour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Labor had a dreadful campaign. I mean, it was entirely negative, despite Chris Hipkins trying to tell us it wasn't. I mean, talk about gaslighting the audience in the last debate, you know, telling everybody that, we no, we've been having a positive campaign. You know, they had a, it was rubbish. They had nothing positive to say because they've got nothing positive that they can hang their hat on. I mean, none of their, none of their uh, flagship policies uh, and announcements from 2017 came even remotely close to being delivered. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, huge. And, and and then they had massive announcements on extra things like another harbour crossing with Michael Wood and, um, you know, that we're going to do this by this date and that by that. Nothing ever, ever happened. And so no. they had nothing They had nothing left other than to actually channel the nasty party. And, you know, it Negative campaigns don't work in New Zealand. I mean, I think the only negative campaign that has worked was in 1975 with Rob Muldoon with the Dancing Cossacks. And that ad ran once. Yeah, it ran once. Everybody talked about it. Um, It was highly negative, incredibly negative, 
Um, but yeah. but it also made you laugh at the same time because well, it was a cartoon. Was For those who don't know who who aren't our age, you know, it was um, that they're turning the country red, you know, and now comes mm. the cottage because in those days that communism was a thing. Yeah, well, it <laughs> was a thing. Not, not so um, much. Well, of the past. Um, so. I think with, well, obviously with Labour, I mean, what do you say? When you talk about the leader of ads, right, here's a thing I just about wet when I saw it, right? I was out in South Auckland at one point, and um, on the wall was a poster of Christopher Luxon, and, you know, like the Trump sort of gangster with the black and white, you know, the posters around. I thought it was a national ad, and I'm thinking, gee, that's very trendy. You know, Christopher Luxon is a big photo. And there's some words, but who reads words when it's a big poster? But, and I had to go up there, and then I realised, no, and then I thought, it didn't say it was a Labour ad, and I was just confused. I sort of said it had, uh, you know, putting, don't, don't put them at risk in that. And, of course, I made a joke, because it had something about, you know, two risk for born in New Zealand, don't, don't, well, see, I can't even remember what the words were, right? So I took a photo, sent it to the Labour team, and I said, if I was mischievous, if I was a that mischievous, I'd graffiti above those words and put Labour is. Too risky for New Zealand, and brother, there's a Luxembourg, and they make a joke of him. Now they didn't appreciate the joke, but I, I said, we're in part of marketing 101. You promote your opponent when you got limited funds. You and never I, do I, it. And then I drove down the um, the St Luke's by the St Luke's, and they had a big electronic board, and I saw Luxton again with you know Luxton's name, and I knew then it wasn't it. It wasn't one of the ads. But, of course, you've got all these words at the bottom, and I'm thinking, this is cars driving by. No one's going to see those words, so they're going to think it's a national ad. I, I was just well, it's like the ACT Party ones attacking Winston as well. They had a picture of Winston Peters smiling, and they had uh, some words that you could believe that Winston Peters would say. And, you know, it was it was just bizarre that both the ACT Party and the Labour Party were both attacking New oh, Zealand first. And, yeah, you're right, because New Zealanders are polite. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you take if you take take my, my um, experience with New Zealanders, in 2014, and, and you know uh, what happened then, you were right in the middle of the beast that was busily slaying me at the time, um, but, you know, politics is politics. But there was news articles saying I was New Zealand's most hated man. And, you know, um, after the 2014 election, I can only uh, remember one person who ever said anything to me to my face uh, that was negative. And he was in a car and he wound down the window. And as I walked towards him, he drove off, giving me the fingers and shouting at me. But it was only one person. So if I was New Zealand's most hated man, and I didn't experience anybody giving me abuse or anything like that, then, you know, you're right. New Zealanders are polite. They they won't be rude to people to their face, but they won't vote for you. Well, my experience is that people in New Zealand are, are very polite. I think that's our English um, uh, DNA. But I think it's a Polynesian thing too. So New Zealanders in politics are always being very, well, are, are almost always are very polite, to your face at least. Yeah, to your face. They might do things on Twitter or Facebook or stuff like that, but when you meet them face-to-face, -face, they very rarely uh, cut loose on you, and that's what I've experienced. Yeah, well, New Zealanders are very passive-aggressive in politics. I, I think that that's right. Yeah, and this is where we see the media uh, kind of out of sync with the New Zealand public, and it's it's been shown to... You know, in the lead-up to the election, uh, you know, the media were trying to make a race of this uh, at the last minute, you know, in the last week that the things were very close and it didn't turn out that way. And then, of course, we saw that manifest itself with Damien O'Connor leaving the caucus room and Jenna Lynch getting in his face and he, and he told her to F off. And, uh, you know, the media ran that in headlines, uh, you know, almost immediately so that we could feel sorry for them. But everybody that I was talking to thought that Damien O'Connor was very restrained. Uh, look, I agree. I think I think the media. Well, you know, we we deal in the media world, and you know, they they need to be fed each day. You know, we always mm. say feed the chooks, yep. and they get bored very easily. So, in the last week, if they they 
you know, it, it's Labor's going to lose by landslide, possibly in the headlight. So, you know, the only question I've got to Hipkins and his team is, so how much do do you think you're going to lose by and how much is all your fault and all the things you've done wrong? But they get bored with that, right? So in the last um, week, they've got to change the narrative. And Labor, of course, has to do the spin, right? We're closing the gap. You know, yeah. They don't say, oh, yeah, we're going to get a real high, high that's their job. So they're going to be saying to the press, spinning to the press, you know, our signs are, you know, we're coming back and, you know, we've got a late run and that, because that's what they've got to do. Then the media, of course, you know, they had no analysis, a lot of them, they go straight and they just buy it and hook, line and sinker. So it builds yeah. up the momentum in the last week. So Labor had a job, a job, a job to do and they did it. The media had a job to do and they didn't. So therefore it comes as a great shock to everyone on Saturday night, but not to people like you and me. Because yeah. the rule of thumb in politics, 101, learn to count. Yeah, learn to count and uh, use all your fingers and your toes if you need to. Yeah, and if you're looking at the polls, they were telling the complete, you know, all the polls up to in the last week all told you what the result was going to be. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because they, uh, you know, Labor released the Talbot Mills poll mm. and said, you know, the surge is on, and that showed them at about 29 30%, if I remember correctly. Yeah, the Guardian yeah. poll was the best they ever had, which was 30. So my view to them when I was talking to some of them on the Monday, you just see that, that, that poll, ignore the rest, you know. Yeah. And so, look, yeah. you know we're close, there's only four points between us, and they got a job to do, and they went and did it. Yeah, they went and did but, it. But, but, yeah, their own poll polling at 28%, you know, said that, and that's what they got. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that's the thing with polls. I think people take make the mistake of looking at polls individually. And, and not and not looking at the trend and where the trend was going. And if you know, there's amazing things out there. You know, like oh, I don't know, Wikipedia, where you look at you know, go and look at Wikipedia polling for the 2023 election, and you have a look at the charts that are on that page, and it's obvious that there was going to be a change of government. National was kind of flatlining, but not going down. Labor was on a uh, inexorable slide. Uh, and all the minor parties were were on the rise. There was going to be a change, and there was nothing that was going to change that. Well, I think that was clear. I think if anyone who was spinning the fact is that Labor had it, it had a chance, they're, they're part of that, right? They they have spinning. Um, but right, I find that that Wikipedia is actually the best for any polls in any country because what they do is they compare the same poll with the same poll. What what you know, the short-term media attention span, you compare the last poll, which was taken with the last poll before that. But they're different polling companies with different... Um, with Methodologies, different, yeah. Different uh, technology. You know. And so you can only look at polls as comparing the same pollsters with their previous polls. And all of them showed the rise that, that National was flatlining and the votes were going to the other parties. And once New Zealand first was seen to be a five percent um, um, player, then suddenly they were getting votes from from all over the place. So, and I did a bit of a uh, a survey on Friday on Friday night, and not that I'm I'm a uh, or you and I genius, genius as we know, but I got all the numbers right. But that's just because I looked at the polls. And that's the thing, isn't it? Because if you look at some of these minor part, very minor parties, you know, particularly in the freedom movement. It didn't seem that there was anybody there that was uh, dealing with reality. And, you know, I was copying uh, flack on this station by saying that what they were living on was what I call hopium. It's very, very addictive, uh, but ultimately destructive because it tricks you into believing something that is never going to occur if you are rational and as cold and calculating as you and I are when it comes to looking at the numbers. And it's the numbers that matter. And there was no way that, that people like Liz Gunn, who was variously claiming that they could win if they got every vote in Southland, uh, or they could get 2 million votes. It was just fanciful stuff that people clung to without even questioning the leadership of those parties to say, well, hang on a second. You know, And, and I did this to Matt King. I said to him, Matt, you say you're going to win in Northland. Have you done a poll there? to show you're winning. He said, no, I'm just going by the gut feel. And it comes back to that politeness thing. Nobody was prepared to tell Matt King that he was dreaming. You know, maybe they needed a Daryl Kerrigan to pop up in Northland to tell the truth. But in the end, we had to run a poll 
right, to show that he had come forth. And guess where he came on election night? Exactly where our poll at RCR said he would, fourth. Well, it's delusion and also, I think, narcissism at that level. It just is. And what they do, I always tell people when they candidate, you know, everyone who comes up to you and shake your hand and wish you luck, that's not a vote. No. That's just, 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 just being polite. When people say good luck, that means, you know, go well. It doesn't mean I'm voting for you. And I say, what you got to do is when you're in a crowd, look at the people, how many people are, are around the walls and not engaging. Right, because what they do is they get a thing is people come up and they talk to a few people and they think the whole group is supporting them, right? Because they want to believe it, right? It's not yeah. not that they're being misled. They want to be misled because it's just it's 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 it, it is just political sort of narcissism. I mean, Liz Gunn, you know, she had great signs, you know, and I didn't know anything about her apart from she was a TV reporter once, and um and I didn't need to know anything more, right? There's someone who just gets this vision in their head. That they're amazing, and um, and journalists, of course, are the worst. Or a lot of them, you know, because they've been on TV, and so they think you know they're famous. But all of that lot, yeah. And Brian and um, uh, Tam- Tamaki, right? They go to church and they got their followers, their worshippers. You know, they say, "Oh, you're wonderful." You know, you're Jesus rep on this world. So you know, they just believe it because they want to believe it. They go into politics, and it comes as a rude shock. To yeah, them. but no one no, else. No I, I said to Brian Tamaki uh, a couple of months ago, "God loves a trier." And he just grinned at me. And uh, and I said to him, look, Brian, you know, I'm going to tell you the facts that nobody else is going to tell you. You've got 100,000 members of your church nationwide, and you can't even get 10% of them to vote for you. Well, that hits them hard, right? Because they just assume all those people are going to vote. And that's how they make their, their, their decisions, right? So we've got 100,000, that's 5%. And then I've got friends and, you know, and, um, you know, and so on and so on. And they just think, see, we're on a roll. Yeah. But, you know, if you spend your time in church on a Sunday and you're building a political movement, you'll want to believe it. So it is what it is. You know? I, I have a real problem with people in uh, that are leadership in churches being involved in politics because I know what it takes to be involved in politics, and I think that's incongruent with your believe, beliefs as a Christ follower to be a politician which necessitates lying and double dealing and all of the things that go on inside politics. Uh, they're the sort of things that you speak against on a Sunday or a Saturday. And so I find it incongruent that they want to stand for 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 um, parliament. I, I just can't see how you can rationalise those two things together. Well, it's not a big thing in this country, right, because we are a no. And... Um... And we don't buy it. Different Christian parties, you know, there's there's evangelicals, you know, there's that community which kind of gets it. You know, they think they've been touched by 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 God to lead the you know the unsaved. Um, so they just get this this in the head, and they look at say in the states where the churches are cultural, you know, deep cultural um, ties, mm. and it's not that way in in the rest of the West. And um, and so in New Zealand, we've never bought into this you know, uh, God stuff in politics, you know, like to think that in the States, of course, you've all got to pretend is that you're Christians so you can get elected to dog catcher. Um, in this country, you know, you had John Key, you had Helen Clark, you had, you know, a whole swag. No one, no prime minister wears their religion. And Keith and Chris Luxon, of course, does the opposite. He plays it down because he knows it's just not a key thing. You know? Yeah, and I mean... That's what I find difficult with Chris Luxon because myself, I'm a Christian. I wear mm-hmm. it on my sleeve. And it doesn't matter to me that people will point their finger and say, oh, well, you're this and you're that. I, I don't care, right? I've got my faith, and yeah. that's fine. And other people don't have faith, and that's fine too. Um, but when somebody says they've got faith and then when they're questioned on it, runs the other way, I really start scratching my head and thinking, I don't think you're the man for me. Are you ashamed of which which one are you ashamed? Ashamed of being a Christian or ashamed of being in politics? You know? Um Exactly. I, I, yeah, look, I agree with you on that, you know. Um Bill English is very good on you see, you know, my faith is my faith. I I, I that that's that, that's in my life. It, it guides some of the um my my my, my val- that values. But you know, they take a secular approach to doing their job. 
yeah. I think Luxton sort of ducking and di- di- diving shows something kind of. He looks sneaky and evasive when he does it. Well, that's because he's been sneaky and evasive, you know. Well, and, on that we agree. Yeah. Now, I want to throw a curveball at you, Matt. Sure. Um, I was looking at David Farrer's article on the demographics of the current parliament as it stands. Mm. And he says 25% of the MPs are Maori. Mm. And then I look at uh, at the Maori electorates and the vote that goes on there. Mm-hmm. And there's a very big disconnect between the Maori electorates and the vote that happens there in the general public, sure. where generally you know, you know, Maori are considered to be around 15% of the population. Mm. Uh, yet we've got this uh, anachronism from the past uh, that was only ever supposed to be temporary. When you mentioned that you thought this was baked in now, that it was permanent, uh, and we've got a gerrymander or marrymander of these seats that are sitting there. That and, and if you look at the party vote and the number of seats they're going to get, they're actually going to become overrepresented. And then if you look at the statistics of everybody's ethnicity, and this is the the terrible thing about ethnicities. Once you start cutting into it and peeling back that onion, Absolutely. you start you start revealing that actually now Pakeha are going to be underrepresented in Parliament. Uh, and I know you'd probably say, well, that's a good thing because you know it redresses 150 years of whatever, right? But yeah. but if you're going to live by the sword, you need to die by the sword as well. And yeah. if you're going to start talking about ethnicity and percentages and things like that then you have to do it for all ethnicities. And then we start seeing that we've got a real problem. Mm. And I wonder if that is a debate that the National Party are brave enough to have. I know Winston will have it, and I know ACT will have that debate. But Mm. is National brave enough to have that debate that, hang on, under MMP, we've had 25% of the MPs elected uh, of Maori extraction of some point. And mm. but then again, do you, how do you count someone as Maori when they actually they're probably European as well? Well, and, and then that gets us back to the well, you know, is it one person, one vote that we really should be following for democracy, or do we have to keep doing this this Maori manda to you know, supposedly give them a hand up? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a curveball, but I I, I I can catch it. You know, I'm yeah. like, well, <laughs> sure, well, I knew you would well, be able to. Well, because it's important. That's a debate. You know, yes. a grown up debate. And I think we, we as, a, as a society are mature enough to have those debates, right? It's not a question of um, of, of, of um, that Māori getting too much or too less, right? Yeah. You have, so I think the debate is two separate things, right? You have co-papa Māori, those, those who embrace their Māori uh, approach, like I say, Willie Jackson. Yep. You know, and a Kelvin Davis, etc. You know, and certainly the Maori Party. You know, yep. and then you got those like a Simon Bridges, and I just pull his name because he's no longer an MP, who who have Maori uh, ancestry but don't identify that as an important part of their life. So no, David Seymour as well. Exactly. So they get, and Winston, of course, who who everyone all thought was Italian. You know, until um, until we got past the things. I'm I'm joking. Um, <laughs> you know, you. When you say everyone's Māori, you know, as a quota, well, it's, it's what you identify and what you think is important. I think that's the debate, um, is whether someone's an accident of birth is kind of, you know, irrelevant in my view. So, but I think the quota thing is always wrong. Like in the lab, the Labour Party is saying, you know, do you put a quota on um, how many people are gay? You know, you know yeah. the, the, and then you go, how many people should have a business background? How many people, you know, new migrants, you know, which communities and there's you know, Chinese, but what sort of Chinese? Yeah, the Indian, you say, yeah, but he's Fijian Indian and there's main, mainland Indian. And it's just the point of absurdity. And this is where the left, and I use that as in a, in a broad term, but, you know, yep. the, the ideological left have taken identity politics to a ridiculous position. Right. Mm. Um, the Greens are a case in point. You know, they've got a constitutional requirement to have a male and a female leader. Yeah, that, uh, that, 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 and that's quite common now. You know, sure, so but 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 with modern identity politics, 
what is a woman? I mean, you could actually have a man uh, as a co-leader, but I just well, finish off debate before we get into the absurdity of that. But um, um, I think the principle of having a representative of Parliament with voices that is a better mix, and I think that's right. So having uh, people who are new migrants or voices like that, and about people, uh, how Maori and Pākehā, of course, is their two main sort of brands, you know, yeah. country culture. And Pacifica people say, look, it's a good thing, you know. You wouldn't want a parliament of all brown women, you know. You say because that you wouldn't feel that that was a representative society. Sure. You know? So, so, so I think there are more guidelines. I think when you start to put the rules, and then the list can become a math exercise. Yeah. You know? Oh well, if you're a uh, a gay brown woman from in the cargo, you know. It won't be there because you actually bring anything. Is that, oh, we need that to, to make our quota. And that goes on, unfortunately. You yeah. know? And so, and so, and that's where it becomes a tyranny. You know, identity becomes tyranny. And you don't actually think, well, what is the mix of people we want? And it doesn't mean it's, it's, it's equal. It means equitable. You know, you say, they will want those voices. So there's that. And I think that's, that's a growing. And parties have got to have that. Because at one stage, as you would know, and, you, and many of you listeners won't know, is that there was a time where the leader or co-leader or deputy leader of every political party had Māori. Yeah. And they know what was done. You know, it was done so that, you know, this is after National done its uh, relationship with, with the Māori party, right? Everyone got, got this is so important. And it was doing it for that, not for political reasons or strategic reasons, they were doing it because, oh, well, we want to look, we don't want to look racist, you know? And I think that that's absurd, of course. So that's just us growing up, right? Now, your challenge is about the Māori seats. They were first put um, up, you know, when they were put up because of the property, that Māori had communal property, not individual property. And therefore it was seen as, and of course, you know, there was quite a, um, a gap between Māori being quite, you know, mar- marginalised, you know, you know ghettoised to use an American term, but, you know, they were um, not part of the mainstream in New Zealand at that time. So that was um, as a, well, we need voices in there. They won't get elected in the general seat, so that would, and the property uh, was a requirement. So it was supposed to be a temporary, uh, you're quite right, and um, now it's been cemented in. Now, you can have that debate. No party, I know they've tried it and it all just turns into a mess, um, to try and get rid of them. They're part of the culture of this country now, you know, and I think that's, and, and that's going to be good for the Māori party. It's always been good for Labour. They've always had that up their back uh, and oh, in their back pocket, you know, five or six or seven seats or seven seats now, and they're locked in. So that is going to be hard to uh, change that. I just don't think, you can have a debate, but, you know, I, I think you're dreaming. Um, it's too much part of it now. So I think that's different, right? So you've got half a Māori in New Zealand uh, enrolled in the Māori seat and half in the general seat. Yeah. I was one of those ones who swapped over. And it's partly because I think having the Māori, the Māori party voice isn't a bad thing. You know, you know, it's staunch, it you know, takes the line and it challenges the status quo, but also those seats fit between Labour and a Māori party until your vote's worth something. When you're in a safe Labour seat or a safe national seat, you think, well, my electorate vote ain't going to matter here. Uh, it will matter in, uh, well, in the Māori seat. And that's also advantaged the Māori party sort of over the last decade as more and more Māori, particularly the younger generations, are moving to their Māori seats. And that's affected the outcome um, of those seats. The youth, youth, you know, articulate youth, the kids who have been educated and becoming very comfortable in their mildiness are now actively engaged in the mildly seats, whereas before it was a very conservative um, election. But look, I think the debate has merit. I just think you're yeah, pushing it uphill, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that, that it's a debate that's worth having. And I think <laughs> we need to be grown up about it because you know what annoys me the most is that if you do try and start a debate or have a debate, the very first thing that is uttered from those who oppose that debate is that you're racist just because you want to have a debate. Well, that's right. And if you, as a male, if you have a debate about um, a woman, you're a sexist. And if you have a, uh, if you have a debate about trans policy, you're a homophobe. Yeah, and that, that's what goes on because that's the trick. That's the trick to close the debate down. 
um, you know, as a woman, or as, well, I, I used to watch it in the TV and things, you know, as a, as a Māori, I feel, you know, so, so the white people here don't feel involved to say, well, actually, I think, I, I think you call them crap, you know, um, so we, we, we discipline ourselves. So we stop that debate, and, and I think that's wrong. I think the debate about Māori, see, in the old days of the general seat, you would never, it was very un, you know, you couldn't put your hand on heart and say that Māori could win in general seats if they identified as Māori. So the people who got elected into, into general seats were anglicised. You know, they're very, you know, like Winston Peters, Ben Couch, Sandra Lee, you know. They were acceptable Māori. Now, the Honi Harawira said, oh, I'm going to run a, North, a Northland, you know, that's never going to happen. So yeah. they say the voices, which are strong pro-Māori, um, won't ever win a general seat. So they've all got on the list now. But you see, you know, and that's why I think the, the rise of the Māori party sort of in the Māori seats brought some people with quite uh, strong opinions or challenging opinions to mainstream New Zealand, and that's probably a good thing. Yeah. But let's do that now, anyway. So... I'm kind of reinforcing your argument. If you can get different voices on the list, then, you know, what's your argument for the Māori seats? Well, that's right. And, yeah, I still think that it's a debate that's worth having. Um, oh, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm like you. I'm reinforcing your um, strong view at the beginning of this uh, discussion is that um, you look at reality. <laughs> So those people who think they're going to win, they go, good on you, and they get their 1%, and they go, how does it happen? I'm saying to you, great debate, good luck, ain't going to change. So, um, yeah. But, you know, well, you're, it's not going to change in the near future, let's put it like that. Yeah. You know? So let's let's talk about what happens next. We've we've got a result. We've got the special votes to come, and, and you know, that's harder to pick than a broken nose. Uh, for how that's going to f- go. We can only really look at history to give us an indication of how that goes. And, you know, I think you'd agree with me that uh, National is likely to lose at least one seat in the specials. They've traditionally done that. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the the question over the two Maori Party uh, or the Maori electorates that are very, very close on where those go. That's right. But let's just assume, let's say, the Maori Party picks up another one and National loses one. Then the 61, well, that won't be 61, that'll be 60. And we're probably looking at a parliament of 122, maybe 123. It seems to me that National Enact is going to have to talk to Winston Peters seriously. Yeah, look, I think we should assume that. We assume that New Zealand first are going to have to be in the mix. However, as you know, right, I, I, you know, what National's got to cross its fingers, and certainly David Seymour has got to hope like hell, it's that the, if the Māori Party does well in the special votes um, in the Māori electorate, which I assume they will, and just for your view, uh, your listeners, it's, it's more because that um, many Māori are in rental accommodation and they move around, so it's more special votes. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's why. And plus, of course, the booths sometimes are very hard to get to them for the new rural areas because they've got to go you know, spread all over the show. And so what they tend to, a lot of them also will register for sort of on the day you know, or on the week before more people than, than, than in general seats. So that's why they tend to tip uh, more. And because the Māori Party on the rise, you know, and the public and Labour on their way down, that they will probably tip even more. So they're 2.6% at, at the moment, the national poll. I'm actually pick, picking, you see, why I'm doing this is that I think that they'll go over 3% on the party vote, which will give them four seats. Yeah. So even if they won um, Kelvin seats, because um, it's a 0.2% uh, swing, I'll pick that up. If they picked up Kelvin seat and got over 3, 3%, the overhang is still one. You know, uh, it doesn't go to two. So I don't think it's likely that if they get Colvin's feet, this vote's going to go up as well, you know, because that makes sense. Yeah. So I don't think the overhang will increase. And if it's the other way around, it won't be an overhang. Now, National will leave it one seat, so I, I'm, I accept that. Um, and probably two, but let's just go with one. 
So that makes it even. And I don't, and I, no, I'll get the Waikato, the Point Waikato um, uh, seat into course, and that will give it an extra seat for them. So that's their best hope, is they only lose one seat and then they can get Point Waikato, and then they'll survive. You know, so that's their best, but I don't think that's going to have happened. So they're going to be one down. And if the Greens, you know, well, you know what happens. And so it's a New Zealand First National Act, not necessarily government, but, you know, the block. Yeah. And Winston, as you know, will extract, it will extract great wealth for his support. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, we've heard reports that, and I know this is true, uh, that it happened, that it was floated through back channels that that National was thinking of offering Winston Peters the, the role of speaker. And it was very quickly a message was sent back, don't even think about it. Uh, and, and I can't even believe that they did that. I mean, I know they did do it. Um, but Seriously? Do you think this is just wannabes in National, like the mid-level level sort of fancy? Anyone who knows Winston, right? You know, well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, the National Party has spent 30 years undermining, white-anting, demonising, criticising, attacking Winston Peters. The yeah. only saving grace in this in, in this uh, set of negotiations is that none of the people who did that are, no, uh, are there in the party now. And yeah. I would think that if Christopher Luxon had half a brain, and you'd like to think that he does, but as there's scant evidence of this, you would you would like to think he would quietly tell John Key, Bill English, and a few others to shut up and lead it, let it be with us because if they get themselves involved in the negotiations, well, it says two things. It says that Luxon isn't capable of, capable of doing it himself, and B, they don't really respect Winston Peters by having the pe- very people who have white-handed and undermined him for so many years involved. Well, you know Winston, his pride and his um, respect mm. are important. You know? And if they, they've always um, not understood that. And he was with National, right? He's like, don't you understand what motivates Winston, right? You know, and you know, he's an old Muldoonist, you know, sort of a, you know, the old conservative, you know, mainstream, decent, you know, the Rob's mob thing, you know, the, you know and that's New Zealand first base, right? Yeah. He's, hard-working people, you know, people should not get anything for nothing, you know, struggle, street people, you know, who do, who do the honest face work. Yeah, that's his community, right? People shouldn't get a privilege and they shouldn't, you know. And so when the Nat disrespects him and you just think, what are you doing? But anyway, good good luck to them. But you're right. If Luxton allows um, the old Nat to no long, long, long there, that sends a message. I'm not my own guy. I don't know what I'm doing. And also, it will make sure that Winston um, is going to punish him for it. And I'm surprised, he may well be doing it, but you know and I know, right, the smart thing he would have done is got on the phone to Winston now, before yeah. now. Say, look, let's see how the results are, but look, you know, I want to build a good relationship regardless, you know. We should, yeah, yeah. It's about, and, and Winston deserves that respect, right? He came yeah. back once more. And by having that, so you don't have to say, look, I'm going to, if we don't get the numbers, we're going to need you, your support, because it's obvious. But you don't have to promise any, at this time, it's about a relationship. And the relationship's got to go for three years. So this talk about Winston will give him, you know, a bauble and a trinket, you know, by giving him a badge as a speaker. That's an insult. And they'll have to be spending their time saying how they don't want to give him the Deputy Prime Minister, because Winston's not, not there to get the Ministry of, you know, of uh, funny walks. I mean, he's no. real portfolio. No, and that's the thing. I think that what Winston Peters will do is that he'll insist on the COVID inquiry because he no. sees he sees that as a way that over a period of a year he can uh, deliver death by a thousand cuts and generational pain for the Labour Party because they were all they were the ministers who were all responsible for all of that. And yeah. he he can sheet he, if anyone can make the case and sheet home the blame for the excesses of COVID, uh, it'll be Winston Peters, and I think he'll insist on that. The other things that I think that he, sorry, that, that gives him a platform. Yeah, those where the bodies would be buried. But again, you see, that was about, about respect. That Labor disrespected him, 
Yeah. It's like the Shipley. You know, once they disrespect him, he is a man you do not want to feel his eye over personal insults. And the way that he was then banned from Parliament by Mallard, these things all add up. And I'm just thinking, you will reap great pain for that. And yeah. he will that's good politics for him too, right? I mean, he's a thousand cuts. And he will there and he'll just go. And that will be his new base or increase his base. So it's good politics, but it helps that he settles a few scores too. That's right. And then I think that the portfolios that he'll ask for will be things that are to do with infrastructure, uh, like energy, for example, uh, and and perhaps, uh, you know, some associate transport type things to, be, to fix the roads up north and various other places that need fixing. And there'll be things that that will have demonstrable uh, benefits at the end of three years that he can point to and say, well, we did that. We exactly. wanted those portfolios so we could fix that. And yep. I'm pretty sure he's not going to want to have anything to do with uh, being anywhere near the money side of, of politics. Um, well, I, I, I think you're right about things like roads, you know, tangible things like so, you know, fix the holes in the road stuff, not the bridge and trains to the airport and things which are in the in the never never world, right? He's like three years, this is what I did. And so that's that I mean he's an old style politico. You know, you deliver to your people in three year cycles. Um in terms of the money, um I'll defer to you on that. Um he was he you know he under the Bolger government, of course, he was treasurer and made Bill 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 Birch do all the work. So yeah. he might not want to give a Nicola a free reign on finances, BB, because he's going to wear that. So he'll get himself sort of in there somewhere. So whether I don't know if he can get away with um with 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 the finance, but he might put Shane in as associate type finance with David Seymour to keep an eye on them. But yeah, that makes more sense. But I think where this is going to land, and I think you'd agree with me on this, there is a change of government. There's no way that the left bloc uh, can get up there. They're never going to peel off Winston Peters uh, from that. But I think also, I actually think that ACT is going to end up marginalised. Winston's going to make sure of it. Yeah, because I don't think... Uh, David Seymour or the or the chief of staff, what's his name, Andrew Keatles, who of course lives with Jenna Lynch. Um, I don't think Winston want, wants to have them anywhere near uh, important stuff because it'll just end up in, on News Hub one night, yeah. and uh, and and he's very very aware of of those sort of things, and so I think that uh, ACT will be. Uh, well, I think that they're ill-equipped to conduct negotiations against somebody like Winston Peters. Well, maybe. Um, that Winston's wily, you know? Yeah. Not as but his his thing will be, his maximum position will be, I'll form a government with National and Atkin um, uh, support on supplying confidence. We'll give him some other minister job, associate minister job, right? Now, Act's not going to wear that. He's not going to get that, right? So... Um, and so, you know, he, he won't be able to get to get, to, to, to get away with that. But his brand, as you know, has been saying to New Zealand, I'm the one who stops the extremists. And so he'll be in Luxton's there saying, do not let that do this. We're not going to wear this. Will not be acceptable. You know, to mainstream Kiwis, you know, the whole bit. And ACT is going to get muted uh, because they'll be wanting them. You know, if they think their foreign investment and control stuff is going to ha happen now, it's over. You know, they could have got it under national, a national ad government. That's over. Winston case, not a chance. And he can look. And you talk about, you know, if you want to talk about mischief, right, Port White, sort of Waikato, you know, Winston could say, if you're going to do that, I'm going to run there. You know, yeah. and, then, and then the opposition party, this is all fantasy stuff, right? Look, it's a real word, does it work like that? Imagine all the opposition parties, if they saw the advantage there, they'll just all pull out and leave a fight between Winston and National and say, good luck. And Winston say, I want a mandate to stop the extremes of that, you know, and yeah. um, stop the foreigners from coming in here and buying out here. Yeah, 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 what he do? If I was national, what I'd be doing right now is sitting there and getting David Seymour around the table and saying, right, guys, we're going to actually pull out of Port Waikato. Andrew Bailey's already on the list. He's in Parliament. We're going to gift that seat to New Zealand first, just like we did with Epsom. 
and that gives New Zealand First a, a bulwark against being voted out of Parliament at the next election. And it's a gesture of incredible goodwill to say that we are effectively, it's laying down the wero, isn't it? Saying, here's a gift for you. And if if New Zealand First picks that gift up and takes that, then they're locked into the government. Oh, look, when I was um, uh, Chief of Staff for, for, for the Labour Party, right, I tried to convince the Labour Party not to run against them in the by-election and for the general election in, yep. in, in, in the seat. I said that it locks them in, you know, as a friend for good. Wouldn't wouldn't do it. I said, look, I'm just telling you, you know, you've got to think like MMP. And, um, you know, and the same with the Greens, you see, they'd, they'd given them a seat at some point at the time, then you get to protect your other seats. But by not doing that, see, now they've got three seats. You know, that's, and that's you've, right. got to, you've got to lock them in. You know, and um, and Winston then knows he's safe, but also he, he knows he can win, he can keep a seat, but he's got to be nice to you, right? You know, and that's how you build a relationship. So you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, we could do that because we're not involved in the emotion of it all, right? And the locals feeling that, you know, all that. And so what you got to do, you got to handle it well. But yeah, you know, if you sit in the, you know, as we're doing now, you can sit in a room with your whiteboards up, it makes great sense. And you lock in a permanent centre-right government for a very long time. That's exactly what you do. Mm. <laughs> well, I think we've pretty much picked the eyes out of the election campaign, and now we sit here and watch uh, the machinations and see what comes next. But uh, we are going to have a centre-right government. Well, yeah, I'm all, always loath to call the National Party right these days. They're very... I know, I know. I, 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 I was speaking to um, someone like last night who's on the right of the right, and he still thinks that National's a, a, a communist party. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was, you know, um, they'll never touch the real issues, you know. Um but it's, you know, as we all know, apart from probably ACT, you can put all the parties all sort of in New Zealand in, and the US sort of Democratic Party. But yeah, you know, so yeah. it's pretty broad, you know. And and you know and I know that the policy doesn't seem Labour and, and National uh, so small compared to the differences between their coalition partners. You know? Yeah, well, that's right. And, 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 you know, National has got a reputation as being the party of the status quo. And that's what's always concerned me about the National Party. They consider themselves to be good managers of the economy that Labor built. Well, indeed. Except and so in this case, there's a mountain. The, the, there's a mountain of debt that Grant Robertson uh, built, and there's no hiding that. So there are going to have to be some drastic changes in New Zealand in the, in the coming years. Well, according to Act, but we'll see because Winston ain't going to buy that. <laughs> I mean, there's good debt and there's bad debt, right? And I, I talked about this with Morris Williamson. If you borrow to build something like, oh, I don't know, Marsden Point, uh, Motunui, uh, you know, dams, that's good debt because you've got something that's intergenerational that that will will be yeah. there. You know, a debt to, to buy a house, that's a good debt. Yeah, yeah. but a debt to um, paint a marae or uh, hand out to the art sector, or th th that's just wasteful spending. Such a I know, but you know, uh, I, I look. There's a lot of savings that I could find right now. Like I'd sell TV and Z and Radio New Zealand to the highest bidder and get whatever you can for it. Their legacy media, get rid of them. Put in place a, a public broadcasting act that says, in in times of emergency, that you can take over the airwaves for a limited time. Uh, I would also um, stop the subsidies of of private media companies by saying that all, all this government advertising is actually in the public interest, so you'll run it for free, and we're not going to pay you for it anymore. And then that'll cut the throat of a few of these, um, you know, uh, compliant media outlets. And I'm quite ruthless when I think about these things. Yeah, well, uh, the, the, the media. I mean, that, see, the media has changed. Mm. So like 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 this. That's the future. You know, and so the legacy medias is, is the new name for them, right? They're all subsidised, and some now directly, and I think that's outrageous, right? So they're actually giving subsidies to to the mainstream press for them to employ people to do stuff because to them it's not market value, and it's just extraordinary these direct mm -hmm. subsidies 
two media that, that committees pick who gets what in their political appointments. And of course, the media then don't challenge that because it's their money. Well, they, they get the money. So yes, I look. I, I we might come to different conclusion. I always think there should be one public broadcaster and everything else should. should but be. you would because you're a communist. Well, as I say, when people they call me a, com, a communist, I always say, "I wish." I think you're trying to, <laughs> trying to think of me. The other thing that I'd do is look at um, abolishing and axing the concert program. They could give it the, the five listeners of the concert program who are still remaining. You are uh, a Philistine. I was joking before, but now I know you are. Yeah, I'd give them a Spotify account and, and it'd be a whole lot cheaper. <laughs> Just get rid of it. Look, 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 look I think it's right. I, look, I don't agree with that. But but what it is is media has changed. Communication mm. has changed. Society's changed. And we're still trying to prop up things from another era. And it's it's public money being used to prop up things of very little value. Because if you take that proposition, you could be funding, you know, direct funding sports. You could be directly funding all sorts, yeah, rec- recreational things. Because who chooses which ones? So it's either all or nothing. You know. Well, so, what what um, really rips my undies is the funding of the Royal New Zealand Ballet and the. Um, and the symphony orchestra and the Auckland Philharmonia Orchestra. Why are we propping up, you know, 17th century ideals from Europe? Like, let's just get rid of it. Well, I think what's very in my mind to say it, but it, you'll, you'll know and, you, and, and your listeners will know, you know, there's the um, Yes Prime, Prime Minister um, episode on this question, is that who is the audience for these things? It's the yeah. upper classes. It's not for the mass of the people. This is a subsidy for the rich. And, um, you know, so it's cultural and say, this is UK, European culture, ain't Kiwi culture. So, you know, you're asking us to sub- sub- subsidise so the corporations can send their tickets to, 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 to the clients and the people of um, who don't need a, sub- a subsidy. And I think there's some, there's some common sense with that, really. You know, if you're going to cut, you know, You've got to at least it's like the Maori seats that you were saying before. You've got to have that that debate in an honest and frank way. Yeah, and that's what we need, and that's what's been missing for the last six years, and why people rejected this government is that debate was stifled. It was uh, deliberate. Uh, it was calculated, uh, and in many respects, they paid the media to stifle that debate at the same time. I think that's a conclusion which is fair. So, yeah. And on that note, Matt, I think we'll finish this. All yeah. right, mate. And all proud of you. All Thank right. you very much. I've long respected Matt McCartan's honesty and robust nature of the way he plays politics. And as you can hear, there is a mutual respect there. His assessments of the election pretty much match mine, but with a bit more nuance from the inside, from the left side, and also the Maori side of politics. It's always fun talking to Matt McCartan, and I always respect his opinions. Tell me your thoughts on what Matt had to say by emailing inbox at realitycheck.radio or text to 2057. This is The Crunch with Cam Slater. Conversations with a side of controversy right here on RCR.